1: Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley milne This time, the second of two shows about women in their 20s, a decade when
2: not everything goes well. We should be looking at failure as, okay, this did not work. I need to try something different. Not that this did not work and I'm a failure.
1: And do men in their 20s pick certain careers
3: because they have to? Men are expected to be successful. They're expected to be able to support a family and, you know, to kind of do it all, you know, in terms of work. And for women, it still, I think, feels like a choice. Stay tuned.
1: Last week, we heard from two young women—one on the cusp of a career and the other several years into hers. They talked about communication problems they had at work, fear of not doing well, lack of confidence, and how much competition they're up against. This time, I wanted to talk to two women whose twenties, like mine, are in the past. Dawn Edmiston is a broad experience listener and professor of marketing at the College of William and Mary in Virginia. She spends a lot of time around people in their early 20s, and she firmly believes you don't have to have your whole life sorted out by the time you're 30.
2: And typically the first thing that I tell students in their 20s is that there is not simply one right path to success. There tends to be pressure from parents or peers to follow the right path when there are actually a multitude of paths and a multitude of opportunities for each of us. And one of the wonderful things about being in your 20s is that if you think that you have made a wrong move in your professional or personal life, you still have plenty of time to make a different move and take a different path.
1: I tend to agree with that, although my next guest has a different take. But Dawn says we
2: live in an era where we have a lot of options. We can constantly reinvent ourselves if that's what we choose to do. I know that I felt pressure to make all of the right moves when I was in my 20s. But as I've grown older, I've learned that I'm happiest and most fulfilled when I listen to and trust my inner voice.
1: She started her 20s by moving to Guam with her husband. They got married when she was 21 and he was in the military. Then it was back to the US to go to business school and on to a career in marketing and consulting. Dawn says during her 20s she got quite frustrated that this career she'd envisaged wasn't going entirely to plan. She wanted to make a difference at work and felt she wasn't. She often didn't know if she was doing the right thing, whatever that was, at the office. Looking back, though, she wishes she hadn't worried so much.
2: It's not as though you were given a handbook as to this is how you will climb the corporate ladder. And I think so often we're looking for those steps that guide. But they're not usually there. So she says you have to trust yourself, which she didn't back then. I worked in many situations in my 20s where I was in relatively independent position. So I did not I had supervisors, but they were not individuals who even saw me on a daily basis. And that was really difficult at time. It was difficult to understand if I was moving in, in the right direction. And there were times when perhaps I should have asked for greater feedback. Or there were times when perhaps I should have been more confident in knowing that what I'm doing is what I was hired to do and what I was empowered to do and I think too often in my 20s I was thinking about how my career might unfold in my 30s or 40s. She
1: was looking ahead and asking herself what she should be doing now to make herself as shiny as possible later. In her 30s she fell into a one-year teaching job that led to something else and she's now been a professor for 10 years. She says it's been the most rewarding decade of her life, but she couldn't be doing what she is now without the experiences she had when she was younger, including the bad ones. We should be looking
2: at failure as okay. This did not work. I need to try something different, not that this did not work and I'm a failure. I mean that's that's a lesson that I I wished I wished I would have had greater confidence in in my 20s. I did well in my 20s, but I struggled.
1: She was the first woman in her family to go to college, so she put a lot of pressure on herself to be successful in the traditional sense. Recently, she actually set up a women in business group at her university because so many young women were coming to her with career queries and she
2: wanted them to have the confidence to make their own decisions because in many instances, they felt that they needed to follow traditional paths. They feel as though they need to be consultants or accountants. And again, if you're made to do that, I want you to do that. But more often than not, students are arriving in my office when they're seniors telling me that the reason that they chose to do that was because it's their parents or their peers that were influencing them. And so they have great pressure to be a success. But I do not equate stability with success. But it's easy to
1: do that when you're starting out, and especially when you're American and you may have tens of thousands of dollars in student loans to pay off. Dawn says more women than men voice concerns
2: about what to do next. I think very often the men are going to potentially grin and bear it, where the women are having um, more difficulties with reconciling what they want to do with what they should do. And we're going to talk more about
1: men and the pressure they feel to just get on with it a bit later in the show. So
2: I asked Dawn, what advice would she give to women in their 20s now? Again, that there is not one right path. You do not need to know all of the answers. And your single greatest asset is your work ethic. You are not expected to know how to do everything from day one to be a success. As a professor, I can teach you management and marketing skills, but I cannot teach you how to have a professional work ethic, which will ultimately determine your success. And the other challenge that I think women in particular have is that networking is not a negative word. In my 20s, I was under the impression that if I did well in college, that my efforts would simply be recognized and I would be offered a great job after graduation. And that simply did not happen. So being an introvert by nature, it was difficult for me to reach out to others. However, once I stopped dreading it and started to look at it as an opportunity to meet new people and ask questions about their lives, it became a very rewarding experience
1: for me. Dawn Edmiston. And as some of you know, we tackled the hell of networking in a past show.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!"
1: My second guest is Meg Jay. You heard her on the last podcast talking about 20-somethings' communication skills. Meg works with young adults every day in her psychology practice, and she's also written a book called The Defining Decade, Why Your 20s Matter and How to Make the Most of Them Now. She sees a lot of clients who don't see the need to focus in their 20s because, well, thirties the new 20, right? Meg says it's not and that you do yourself a big favor if you start building a career and a meaningful relationship before you're 30. Those of our clients who have started a career though, they worry, a
3: lot. When I was writing The Defining Decade, you know, I maybe had, I don't know, 80% of it kind of roughed in, and I sent it to a uh, publicity assistant at my publisher 12, that's the name of my publisher, and I sent it to a publicity assistant there, and most of the chapters were about finding jobs, getting jobs. And she said, Meg, you know, if you don't mind my saying, it seems like the work piece you're focusing on finding jobs, but you're not talking about how hard it is once you actually get the job. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, how did I leave that out? Because I'm, you know, literally probably talked to five clients about that that day, um, the level of anxiety that young workers feel. And I think especially um, young women feel when they go into the workplace a lot of them are just overwhelmed with anxiety that they're going to make a mistake that their boss is going to yell at them that their boss doesn't like them they're going to be fired for any little thing you would be stunned by how many hours a week um, I spend talking to um, young women workers about that very competent capable smart people who really feel overwhelmed by the idea that they're going to get something wrong and that's going to be the end At this point, I told
1: her about April Leslie, who featured in the last show, and about how worried she is that when she does land her first job out of college, she won't excel as she always has till now. And this is a major concern for her. Also, what she said about having low confidence. This is something I think is a big problem for women in particular. And Meg
3: says, yes, she sees it a lot. And some of that is, you know, the anxiety of the young worker. of I, I don't I don't have my confidence yet because I, the competence isn't there yet, which is often because just the, the hours aren't there yet in terms of, you know, how many hundreds or thousands of hours it takes to feel like, hey, I've got this. And if I make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. And, and then the flip side of that is that not every boss was meant to be a mentor. And I think uh-huh. that's a big shock um, for young workers, too, because they're used to being – around teachers who nurture them you know that that you know I'm sure not everyone has you know only had good teachers but the, the point of teaching is is to bring people along and to nurture and to mentor and then you get into the workplace and a lot of bosses feel like hey you know we're here to make a company successful I'm not here to teach you or to nurture you and right or wrong that's just the way it is.
1: There's a great example of this in the book. It's in a chapter called Calm Yourself and it was one of my favourites in the whole book. In it, Meg describes a client, a young woman she calls Danielle. She was working her first job in broadcast TV in New York for a big, famous male news anchor. She made rookie mistakes, including misspelling the name of a former president in a headline, and he regularly bawled her out. Other higher-ups would also tell her in no uncertain terms when she screwed up. She was a bag of nerves every day. Going into the office felt like entering enemy territory. She spent every lunch hour outside on the phone to her mum.
3: And that happens a lot. And, you know, moms do make us feel better. They've done some cool studies about how just even the sound of your mother's voice, you know, can lower your your blood pressure and your skin conductance um, level. Um, So the sound of our mother's voices, if we have, you know, the right relationships with our mothers, I guess, um, can make us feel better. So she was using a coping strategy that had worked for her in college, but I felt like in the workplace, even though it was helping her get through the day, um, day in and day out, it wasn't making her feel any more um, like a grown-up or any more like she belonged there. And so we really worked with her on can she tell herself, she knows what her mother's going to say. She's called her a hundred times. So can she walk around the block and tell herself those things? Um, Because... You know, I think calling her mom on her lunch break was kind of making her feel sort of like a kid still in the closet of, you know, people don't really know. I don't belong here. It wasn't really helping her feel like, yeah, I belong here. I can do this. And some days are hard, but I can make it through on my own.
1: And that advice actually worked. Meg told Danielle that part of learning is screwing up and that you need thousands of hours of practice to make perfect, something Danielle found hard to hear at first. But gradually she tried Meg's advice. She steeled herself to return to work after lunch without relying on her mother or her friends to get her through those swinging doors. She started to build resilience. And when she got a review from her boss, it was actually good... He commended her work ethic, among other things. To Danielle, all the mistakes she'd made were catastrophic. But to him, they were part of being young and new. She blew those mistakes into vast proportions, and there may be good reason for that. Something really interesting I read that I I didn't know at all was, um, in the book you write, 20-something brains react more strongly to negative information than do the brains of older adults.
3: They do. Um, I mean, they're just in a kind of an explosive period of growth. So, um, you know, we used to think that the brain was mostly developed by about age five, and that's because it got about as big as it was going to get by about age five. But what we know now is that, sizes and everything, and that uh, another huge explosive kind of period of growth happens in your 20s, and that's where it's all about connections. And so even though your brain isn't getting bigger, it's becoming more densely connected. So your brain is just really hungry for new information. Um, At the same time, it doesn't have a lot of experience dealing with uncertainty. So it's looking around trying to learn from what's happening and it's very sensitive to what goes wrong because when something upsets us our brain says, oh I need to take you know, pay special attention to that and learn from my mistakes. And so the way it feels for a lot of 20-somethings is that your 20s are just a huge minefield and you're sort of stumbling through and minds go off and they're upsetting and your brain pays special attention to that and then you try not to make those mistakes again. But I think that's what it feels like of new jobs, new relationships, new apartments, new landlords, new cities, new everything. It just feels like a big minefield. Mm
1: Now, at this point, I wanted to ask her about something gender-related, if not work-related. In her TED talk about the 20s, it's been viewed about 7 million times, she talks about how you're not fertile forever and how many young women, like the client she discusses in the talk, they think they can stroll through their 20s with less than ideal partners because they'll have plenty of time to find someone more substantial later, but how they may be missing their chance to find the right person. I find, and I'm, and you do talk about men and women in your book, which I'm very grateful for, but so often I find that these discussions focus on women finding a mate, as if it doesn't take two to tango, as if it doesn't make two people to make a choice about getting together and forming a partnership that you hope will be permanent. I don't know if you remember this from the news, but there was this, I guess it was last year, a sort of brouhaha when this Mother of two I believe it was two young Princeton males wrote an open letter saying, Young ladies, this is your last chance when you're at Princeton to find a mate who has the same intellectual capacity as you do get to it and there was a lot of kind of you know media hubbub around that whether she was right or whether she was crazy, but I was a bit I was frankly pissed off that she she's a mother of two boys, but she's focusing on the women as if as if women make these choices on their own and men don't have any part in it I mean that that aggravates
3: me. I mean, how do you feel about that? It, it, it aggravates me as well. I mean, I should say I have a, a PhD in clinical psych and in gender studies from Berkeley. So, um, you know, I've thought about these things, you know, a few times before. <laughs> and I, I mean, that really is why I never even considered writing a book just for 20-something women because I knew that that's only half the conversation and at least in when it comes to relationships and I knew that you know in terms of career 20-something men are stressed about their careers too so I, I really wanted to be able to do something that anybody felt like this is for me she's talking about me and it's interesting I saw you know some of the conversation or comments you know under my TED talk and you know, you've got the whole gamut, you know, from love to hate and everything in between. And, but I re- one piece that stood out to me was one, a young woman who heard my TED talk and said, you know, why is she, why is she pointing the finger at women or why is she targeting women? And the the next commenter is a, a man said, I thought she was talking to me. And so I think, you know, it, it is sort of this cultural assumption that, you know, all these conversations are for and toward and about women. And part of that is because, you know, you've got all the women's magazines where that's what they're talking about. And, of course, you know, you've got helpful podcasts and you've got books that are targeting toward women. And I do think we just sort of forget that, hey, we also are and should be talking to the men, too, and that they want someone to talk to them. Now, who that per, who's the best person to do that? Um, I don't know, I mean it's probably not me as a forty something female, you know, but I, I guess I tried to open up the conversation as much as I could from my perspective and what I'd heard and and so many more twenty something men were receptive to it than I ever would have imagined. So I guess what I'm saying is the door's wide open for somebody, and I wish more people would kind of walk through it and say we're going to engage men in these conversations um I was at a kind of a 20-something event this weekend and it was half men half women they were both kind of engaging me equally but one thing I heard a lot from the 20-something women was yeah I want to get serious about my relationship but it takes two to tango and I'm out here on the dance floor by myself um and just not really knowing how do I find men who are ready to think seriously about their personal lives too. And
1: maybe some of that is the old contention that men don't want to commit because it's more fun to play the field and being with one person is boring. But maybe something else contributes to this, something men have had to think about forever.
3: You know, we were talking about women, young women being so stressed and anxious at work, and and they are, um, but I do think it still feels like a choice for a lot of women that they feel like, well, you know what? If I really hated this, I don't have to do this. I mean, me doing this feels like going the extra mile or, you know, kind of having it all or being great at everything. But there's always that s- sense of I could go on a completely different path and I could prioritize being, you know, a partner and or a mother or I could open up a, you know, a little shop somewhere and people would think that's great. And I don't think that you find as many men who feel like that's true for them. You know Anne-Marie
1: Slaughter, she of the famous Atlantic article on why women still can't have it all. I heard her talk about this on a panel last year. She said her two sons basically get one message from society, earn well, whereas women get all sorts of different messages. They really do have more choices. I asked Meg, does she have male clients who feel stressed
3: out by the idea of being the main breadwinner? I have 20-something guys who feel like it's stressful. I have 20-something guys who feel like I don't want all that responsibility, just like for decades we've had 20-something women who say, at the end of the day, I don't want to be the main, the sole or main breadwinner in my family. That's been okay for 20-something women to say always and still now. It's really still kind of not okay to hear a 20 something male say you know what at the end of the day I don't want all this on my shoulders I'd rather my partner carry a bigger load I mean of course it's becoming more permissive and more okay to say hey people are different but I I do think men feel so much more pressure that they have to get out there and succeed and be able to kind of carry a family. I mean, I think you see more delaying sometimes with men because they feel like that's what they're getting into. And once they're in it, they can't get out of it. Where I, I do feel that women feel like their path is much more flexible of, well, maybe I'll work for a while and then I'll stop and then I'll focus on family and then I'll get back in the workplace and I can just sort of weave in and out as it suits me. I don't think as many men feel like that's possible for them. This is obviously
1: a much bigger conversation and maybe society's just about ready to have it. If you're a guy who thinks about this stuff, please go ahead and post a comment under this episode at thebroadexperience.com or on the show's Facebook page. I do intend to put together another man-only show later this year. Thanks so much to Meg Jay and Dawn Edmiston for taking part in this show. This episode of the podcast has been supported by MailChimp. Thanks to them for giving me some support. And please go and check out their site for all your email marketing needs. And finally, I'm planning a show where I talk to couples where the woman is the sole breadwinner and the man stays at home. If you're part of such a couple and you'd both be willing to talk to me on tape, please get in touch. Also, if you're one half of a female couple where one of you stays home with kids and the other works, I'd like to talk to you too. That's the broad experience for this time. Thanks, as usual, to April Leslie for her help with the show. I'm Ashley Miltite. Thanks for listening.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.